Mark chapter one is where we're going to be this morning. Um, have you ever had a day where you made life better for other people? Maybe this looked like for you, you canceled your plans and you stayed up really late on a Thursday night, even though you had to go to class early on Friday morning because you had a friend that was just going through some hard stuff and they just needed someone to listen to them. Maybe you found out about a coworker or a neighbor that just lost someone that they love and so you decided to go out of your way to bless them. So you wrote them a note or took them a meal or you just spoke some kind words of encouragement. Have you ever done something to make someone else's life better? Think about our, one of our house churches this past Wednesday night and uh, there is this amazing um, organization in Nashville called Room in the Inn. And essentially what they do is uh, they house people who are currently homeless. And so uh, one of our house churches, they got together and thought, man, what can we do to make someone else's life better? And so their house church gathered on a Wednesday night and they cooked this grand meal and they took it down to these men who don't have a place to sleep at night, but they did for this night. And so they ate supper with them and then a group from the house church of men, they, they, they made beds for these guys and they spent the night with these guys and they woke up early and made them breakfast and packed them a lunch. And I go, have you ever made it your life's goal, your day's goal to make someone else's life better? If you're with us last week, we've been working through the book of Mark the past five or six weeks. And last week, Aaron painted us this, this picture essentially of, of Jesus. And the whole purpose, the whole thing that we see Jesus doing in, in uh, the preceding verses leading up to where we're gonna be this morning is he's making life better for people. And so people who were sick kept coming to them and Jesus kept healing them. And people who were longing to know God kept coming to Jesus and he kept telling them about the God who loves them and, and people kept coming with needs and Jesus kept responding to them and Jesus' life was about making life better for other people. And the following morning is where our story picks up. Jesus had been spending all day, worked late into the night, tending to people, listening to people, caring for people in a living room. And this is the context of our story where it picks up this morning, starting in verse 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of God from Mark chapter 1. Before we do anything else this morning, before we move into this text, what I want us to, to do is uh, to appreciate and to admire Jesus for, for who he is and what he does. You know, it's so easy to just kind of blitz through these five verses and go, okay, what does this mean for us? What's the application piece? But there's something about what Mark does. He elevates Jesus so we can see how beautiful, how different, how amazing he really is. And so this morning, uh, I, I want us to, to, to hone in on, on how distinct and beautiful Jesus is. And I was reminded this week as I was reading through this that Jesus is so much more than just a savior, that, that Jesus to us is so much more than just a person who forgives and takes away our sins, that Jesus has come to lead us. That the reason he lived on earth wasn't just to forgive us of our sins, he came to show us how to live and to invite us into this wonderful and distinct life that he lived. And so although he came to be admired, he also came to be followed. And so this morning we're gonna look at three different pictures of Jesus. Jesus in solitude, Jesus on the sidewalks, and Jesus in the synagogues. We're gonna look at these three different pictures so that we can admire him and follow him. Does that sound good? Let's jump in. 
Jesus in solitude. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place to pray. I think it's so amazing that after this incredibly long day of, of tending to people, of pouring himself out for other people, of healing and listening to people, after going late into the night of, of tending to, to people's needs, Jesus, the next morning, in the Greek it says he gets up exceedingly early. And I love that Mark doesn't give us an hour because I think if he put an hour, we'd go like, man, that's ridiculous. That's not even morning time. That's still midnight. <laughs> Jesus, in a world without alarm clocks, <laughs> wakes up in the wee hours of the morning and you can just imagine what this would look like. I don't know if you've ever tried to, I don't know if you live in an apartment with other people or in a dorm room, maybe you live in a house with some, your spouse or whoever it is, but if you've ever tried to get out of the house and not like um, wake people up, it is way harder than, it, than you think, right? Like, and so I can just imagine Jesus like rolling out of bed, putting on his Under Armour sweatpants that he got for Christmas and like trying to, to tiptoe past the disciples as they were sleeping on the couch. Like this is what it looked like. This was a scene that, Simon and the disciples are sleeping on the floor. You can just imagine Jesus trying to be quiet. He steps on a, a squeaky place in the floor and he just like shrugs his shoulders to look back to make sure it didn't wake any of them up. You can imagine him, him opening the back door and a door that, that needed to, to have some WD-40 put on it and it, it squeaks and, and he opens it and the guys are still sleeping and he walks out of the house in the middle of the night and goes off to this solitary place to pray. Can you picture it? Are you there? I love this simple detail because it just shows us how different, how amazing Jesus really is. You know, I think about some of the times in my life where I've really just poured out my heart for other people and how exhausting it can be, right? <laughs> you ever had a long day at work? You ever had a meaningful day at work? You come home and what do you want to do? You just want to sleep and rest, right? I think about this trip that I went on in college. We, for, on spring break, every year we would go down to Panama City Beach and for a week we would stay up till two or three or four in the morning just talking to people, listening to people, getting to know people's stories, caring about people, pointing people to Jesus, loving people. And I remember so often we would come back from, from, from being in a bar, being in a club for uh, at 3.30 in the morning. We'd come home and get home at like four o'clock and we're exhausted. And the very last thing on my mind was waking up in an hour to spend time with God. <laughs> I'd wake up at like 4.30 to use the bathroom. Then I'd get right back in bed and sleep till noon, right? And there's something in this about Jesus. Like I, I, I want us to see this. He doesn't have this like endless supply of energy. He's not some superhuman, he's human just like we are. Yet there's something beautiful that's happening here. I remember in the summer of 2006, a court studied abroad in London and London is six hours ahead of us. And so there were so many times where um, I'd stay up really late or she'd get up really early in the morning because that was gonna be the only window of time that we were gonna have to be together that day, like to talk. You know, and, and when I realized that I was gonna get to hear from her, get to hear the voice of this girl that I just missed so much, I wasn't about to let that, let that opportunity pass me up. You know, I was thinking about like, what's going on here? I don't know what all Jesus prayed for. I don't know what all happened in this prayer, but I do know that Jesus understood who he, who he was talking to in this moment. He understood that he was talking to his father. 
the father that John 1, chapter 1, verse 1 tells us was, there's a lot of ones in there, sorry. John chapter 1, verse 1 tells us that, that Jesus was with the father in the very beginning. And so I can imagine that there was something about Jesus getting up out of the warmth of his bed. I bet there was something about the thought of, of, of connecting with his father that just brought him such delight. And I, I bet there was something stirring deep in his heart where he wasn't thinking about what he was giving up. He was thinking about what he was going to get. To get to hear from, to get to be with, to get to delight in the father that he'd been with from the very beginning. I think there's so much more than, than just Jesus getting to, to delight in his father that, that moves him out of the warmth of his bed. There's also like this direction piece for his life that's being laid out here. That there's something about this specific moment where, where the father helps align Jesus and the purpose that he had for him and his purpose in coming. And so Jesus, if you were with us last week, he had this stellar day in Capernaum, making life better for people. And word had spread all over about who Jesus was and what he was doing. And in verse 36, it says, Simon and his companions went to look for Jesus. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. You know, there's something so beautiful happening here that Jesus wants us to see about what it means to be his followers, what it means to actually be a Christian. And so somehow Simon and the other disciples were made aware of all these people who were looking for Jesus. And so I can imagine that, that, that they're asleep in the same house that Jesus had been working out of the, the night before and, and word had spread. Like, can you imagine like if Jesus was here and he, and he was healing, and he was driving out demons and if, if people were miraculously never, who had never been able to walk or, or suddenly walking, you know word would travel so fast. And so the picture is that the, the, the town has gathered around this living room and they knock on Peter's door in the wee hours of the morning and they say, is Jesus here? You can imagine the, the, the things that the people were looking for Jesus. You can imagine that people were bringing sick children. Hey, is Jesus here? My son has this massive tumor growing. I heard last night that Jesus can heal. Is Jesus here? Can he heal my son? Can you imagine the stories, the, the things that they brought to Jesus? And I love this because the disciples give us this beautiful picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus when we're confronted with needs. When we're confronted with, with, with situations that are above our pay grade. What do the disciples do? They go and find who? You can talk. You don't have to be quiet in church. Who do they go and find? Jesus. They don't sit in the living room and try to fix everyone's problems. <laughs> Tell everyone it's going to be okay. The moment that they come in contact with these people who are in need, they go and find Jesus. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of, of what Jesus is inviting us as followers to do when we're faced with, with people who are in need. You know, Dave and I were talking on Thursday and he came into my office and he said, you know what it means to be a follower of Jesus? 
He says, there will always be people who are in need around us because there are always people in need around Jesus. And if we are little Jesuses, if we are little people who are trying to follow Christ, people who are trying to do what he did, following his footsteps, there are gonna be needy people around us. So very practically, what do you do when you find out that your mom is leaving your dad? You take it to God in the quiet places. What do you do when you find out like about situations like Lila? Take it to God in the quiet places. You know, one of the great joys of being a follower of Jesus is that we get to see people for who they really are, right? Maybe you're in a house church and it just seems to work like this, that we just kind of go through seasons where it just seems like needs are overwhelming. I was talking to a friend earlier this week and man, his, his life is just crumbling right now. Oldest son has walked away from the Lord. Wife has dementia. Just filed bankruptcy this past week. Think about this situation going on. Think about what's going on with Lila. Think about another couple. It's like the longest sound ever, right? Think about another couple that I I care so much about and they're wanting to get divorced. And I go, this week has been a heavy week. What do you do when when you're faced with with people's needs? Somebody go knock that train off the rail. (laughs) Satan must be driving that train, right? What do you do when we're faced with with needs? Do we run? (laughs) Do we complain? Do we shake our fist at God? Or do we press into God in quiet places of life? I think what's so interesting is what happens here. Jesus says, hey, we're, we're not gonna go back to Capernaum right now. We're gonna go to the other villages. Now, can you imagine the shock on Peter's face? <laughs> it's just humorous now. Can you imagine the shock on, on Peter's face? Jesus, you're telling me that we're not going back to Capernaum, but we just met some people that that need you. People showed up at our door this morning and they they need you. They need what only you can do. Jesus says, we're going to other places. You know, and if we stop there, we might just get this picture of Jesus, like that he's, he's temporary, that that he only does what he wants and then he packs up and leaves. It's like he's done with Capernaum, but that's not true. Like in two weeks from now, Jesus is gonna be back in Capernaum. And all throughout the book of Mark, Jesus is gonna go back to Capernaum. He's not done teaching. He's not done healing. He's not done fixing. He's not done teaching people about who God is. But there was something about this moment in solitude in the quiet places of life. We said we gotta keep going. 
and the disciples trust him. The disciples trust him. He's inviting us not just to admire him for, for having the strength to, to give up sleep and to get out of bed and to go in the quiet places of God, but he's inviting us to be those types of people. He's inviting us to, to bring him the needs of the people around us and to trust him no matter what he says. This is Jesus in solitude. The second picture that I want us to see is Jesus on the sidewalks. I love in verse 38 where Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. Start of verse 39, it says to travel throughout Galilee. I think something really significant is happening here. Jesus is again showing us what it means to follow him. That there's something about going with Jesus just in the ordinary mundane, the going to of our lives. That there's something about, about walking with God. And so I love this picture. You, you know as the disciples are walking with Jesus from all the different villages to all the different towns. You know that they weren't just like looking down at the ground, kicking dirt, think, talking about nothing. You know that there was meaningful and rich conversation. Although they were, the, the destination was a different synagogues, they understood that it was walking. They understood it was walking about Jesus on the sidewalks. That there was things to learn, there was things to see, there were things to notice in the going too. You know, there are two different people in my life as I've been thinking about what this plays out that might be helpful for us this morning. I think about my friend Ken. And a couple years ago, we were eating lunch at Copper Kettle. Of course, on Wednesday, coconut chicken day, it's the best. And uh, I was just asking him about his walk with God. He's been following Jesus for like 40 years. And so I just said, Ken, I said, how do you follow Jesus? He said, I've learned to how in every moment, just be with God. To enjoy God all throughout the day, to have this ongoing conversation, connection with God. You know, I think for a long time in my life, if I'm being honest, I thought what it meant to be a Christian was to just have these moments of solitude with God. And so as long as I was reading a, a uh, a chapter in the book of James, or as long as I was praying for 10 minutes in the morning, like I was good with God. And while all those solitude with, with God is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, so does walking on the sidewalks of life. Learning in the, the going to, to talk, to enjoy God. As you're walking to the cafeteria after your biology class, talk to God. When you're driving home from a long day of work, talk to God. It's when you see a beautiful sunset, something that moves you deeply, thank God for it. You see, I think so often we, we treat our walk with God like it's just this little part of our lives. And God says, what it means to be a follower is that you submit every part, every minute, every moment of your day to being with me to enjoying me, to noticing me, to letting me show you things, to teaching you, to responding to me, to enjoying me. Another one of my um, just mentors and friends, my, the boss, uh, the job that I used to work, I just love him dearly. Uh, he has these two sayings that he says over and over again. I bet Lori could, uh, could, could quote him. Lori could quote him. He says, pay attention to the people that God puts in your path and pay attention to things that move you deeply. 
And I love those two things because I think that thinking about those two things, it really brings it down for me here. That what it looks like to walk on the sidewalks of life with God is is not just to pray, is not just to, to be in this constant conversation, but to be present with the people that you're with. To think that, that maybe the, that, that God is allowing you to have lunch with this person or maybe the person that you're gonna meet on the way out of here. Maybe you were supposed to meet that person. Maybe there's something about their lives that needs you or vice versa. Learning to be present with the people that God has put in our path. Learning to, to listen and to care and to not always be thinking about what is next, to pay attention to the people that God puts in our paths. I think what it means to walk on the sideways, the sidewalks of, of life with God is to understand that he's always with us, that we don't have to earn his presence. We don't have to work for his presence. He gifts us with his presence. And so learning in every moment, God, would you teach me? God, would you open my eyes to see where you're working? Would you help me to know when to go and when to stop? Would you open my eyes to see when I need to press in, when I need to thank you? Would you show me when I'm not seeing God? Open my heart to, to enjoy every part, every moment of life with you. Isn't that such a better picture than just coming to church for one hour on Sunday? The, the God who created us, the God who loves us, the God who sent his son to die for us is with us always and he's going, man, let me speak. If you've ever seen God work, if you've ever God seen move, if you've ever heard his voice, I mean, isn't it true that there's nothing better? It's like we, 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 we cling to those moments. We remember those moments, those times where God shows himself and we enjoy him and we know him and he's going, man, this is the trajectory of your life. That this is what it means to follow me. That it's not just about enjoying me in solitude, it's about enjoying me on the sidewalks. And the third picture that we get of our great king is Jesus in the synagogue. I love verse 39. It says, Jesus traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Everywhere Jesus went, life got better for people. I love that Jesus goes to the synagogues. I thought Aaron just taught this so well last week about what a synagogue is. It's essentially this, where the people of God would gather to hear the scriptures and to pray and to worship. And I don't want us to overlook this detail because the synagogues are where Jesus leads his disciples. He leads them into the church building. He takes them to church with him. It's like this great picture of, of Jesus. He shows up in the places where people are serious about him. Jesus shows up in the synagogues where people are curious about who he is. You know, and it hit me that, that this isn't just a story about what Jesus did. This is a story about what Jesus is still doing. That he is still in the business of going to places where people are gathered who are serious about him. He's still in the business of showing up in places where people are curious about him. That's what I love about our church so much. There's so many things that I love about this. There's so many things that I love about you. But one of the things is that we are all in different places in our spiritual journeys. And that's so awesome. I bet if we went around the room, we'd, just, we'd be blown away by all the ways that God has worked and the ways that he is working. I go, some of you, 
you grew up in a family that just believed in Jesus. And from a very young age, like faith and walking with God was just easy for you because you saw it lived out so well in your parents. You saw their generosity, you saw their hearts, you saw the way that they served and loved people and you go, man, I can, I can see it. And this is some of you, you've, you've known and loved God for as long as you can remember. Some of you, you've tried everything under the sun. You've tried every path, hooked up with every guy, tried every drug, tried every drink. And you realize that all those things left you wanting. And some of you are here in this place because you've come to experience and know Jesus. And you realize that Jesus is the thing that really does satisfy you. That when you wake up on Monday morning, you're not hung over and full of guilt and shame, but that you're full of joy because you connected with God because you know him. And you've realized that you've found something in Jesus that is lasting permanent and good. Some of you are here because a pretty girl asked you. Good for you for coming. <laughs> Some of you are here because of a class assignment. Some of you are here because you are trying to appease your parents. Some of you are here because you want to know if there is a God. And if he is alive, does he love you? And I say this, that, that no matter where you are in your journey, no matter why you're here, you're welcome here. We're glad that you're here. Keep coming here. But I want us to see something bigger than that. That in this story, we see that Jesus is still in the business of showing up in places like this. I go, can you imagine what this would have been like? To have gotten up 2,000 years ago and, and gone to church and gone to, 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 to synagogue expecting some songs, expecting a long closing prayer, expecting communion, expecting to go eat lunch at Chipotle with your friends afterwards, expecting all these things. And instead, when you showed up, what you got was like you encountered God. Can you imagine when the stories about God became a reality to you, when you realized not that, that God was, but that God is? I love what Isaac shared earlier. And I want to share this because I just so believe this deep in my bones. That like this place, like when we gather, this is a consistent place of the presence of God. That we're not just showing up here like doing church and singing some songs and hearing a, a Bible lesson. But this is a place of the presence of God. This is not the only place. But God is here. He's still in the business of showing up to places like this. I think about how many times I've shown up and I've, I've experienced God, I've encountered him personally here. How this is so much more than just a worship gathering. That we get to meet the living God in this place. I think about my buddy Dalway. And Dawei uh, usually comes to the nine o'clock here at Marathon. And he was telling me about a sermon that Dave was preaching a couple months ago. And he said, it was so weird, he said, because the things that he was saying were speaking directly into my life. 
And he said, and what I realized I needed in that moment was God. He said, I was living this duplicitous life. I was partying and chasing women. He said, and there was something about those words. It wasn't just some ancient sermon. He said, the, the living God was speaking directly into my life. And he said, and there was something about that day in, in September that changed me forever. He said, suddenly, he's like, I quit partying. I quit chasing girls. He said, only thing I cared about was Jesus. He's like, there was something about that moment where I was just sitting here that I encountered the living God. I think about Christmas, our Christmas gathering here. And I remember Will was leading us in the song, oh, uh, Come Let Us Adore Him. And the line, the screen that was up, it, it said, we will praise his name forever. We'll praise his name forever. We'll praise his name forever, Christ the Lord. And I've sung that song so many times, I've heard that line so many times, but there was something about that moment where I was sitting here it was more than just singing a song, but I, was like, I encountered the living God. I was so moved by his presence that I started crying, literally in the front row. Have you ever had a moment where you showed up here expecting teaching or expecting worship and instead you got God? He's here with us. God is in this place. And there are two things that I want us to see in the synagogue piece. I love that, that he leads his followers to the synagogue. He leads Simon and, and, and Andrew and James and John into this place of worship so that they could see him and learn from him and watch him. And so in a very real way, he brought them into the church building and then Jesus cast out demons and, de and Jesus preached about who the father was and they got to see it. And this is not a since God is here, you need to be at church every week talk. That's not what I'm saying. This is a, since God is here, invite people to encounter him. Invite people who are in your circles. Invite people that, that you live life with that don't know him to come and experience him. This is not the only place of his presence, but this is a place of his presence. And this is one of the most simple ways to live out our faith. Just invite people to come to church with you. And I, I know all the fears and all the insecurities. You go, man, what if God doesn't show up? What if they just come here? And what if Brandon says something that just repels them? Isn't that what faith is? Putting our hope in the God that we know? Putting our trust in his character? Trusting that he loves people way more than we do. Trusting that he will show up in this place. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, who are the people you work with and live beside? Who are the people that you cross paths with every day? And if God is in this place, if he's still in the business of showing up in places like this about people who are serious about God, people who are curious for God, let's prove it. If we really believe that God is in this place, man, let's take a risk. Let's take a chance that our coworker might think that we're that weird spiritual person. If we really believe that, that God is that good and that he is that real and that he is in this place, let's put our money where our mouths are. Let's invite people. 
one of the things that I know for sure, the second piece in this synagogue piece is that, that I know that there are many of you who are here and you're not followers of Jesus. You don't believe in him. You've never encountered him. Maybe this is your first time coming to church. Maybe you've been coming here for 10 years or, or, or 10 weeks and my encouragement to you is don't quit. That if you've been coming here and you've not encountered God, man, I'm so proud of you for your perseverance. Keep going. You will see him and it will be worth it. This is Jesus in solitude. This is Jesus on sidewalks. This is Jesus in the synagogue. I wanna end where we started this morning. Jesus, one of the things that we're gonna see all throughout the book of Mark is that his life was all about bringing glory to the Father and making life better for other people. Life got better for people because Jesus got up early this one morning. People were freed, people were oppressed, people who were oppressed were freed. People who didn't know who God was got to sit under the teaching about who he is. It cost Jesus sleep in Mark chapter one. One of the things that we're gonna see as we get towards the end of Mark is that life gets better for us when Christ got up on the cross. That was on the cross where he paid for our sin. Paid for every one of our sins. Life gets better for us because Christ died so we could be forgiven. And life will get better when we realize that Jesus didn't just come to save us, but to lead us. That he knows what he's talking about. That in every way, he's wiser and smarter and more powerful and he loves us. And I didn't say life is gonna get easier. I didn't say you're gonna make more money or eat better food. What I said is that your life will get better. And by that, what I mean is that when you follow Jesus, you realize what you're made for. You come alive when you learn to enjoy God in solitude, the sidewalks and the synagogues. And so I wanna send you to communion with a question. Where is Jesus inviting you to step into this better life? He's come, he's died, and he's rose again to invite you into this greater life. And where is he inviting you specifically? For some, he's inviting you to become a follower, to become a Christian, to put your faith in him, here in just a minute, we're gonna stand and worship. And if you wanna talk, if you have questions about what that even means to be a Christian, if you've been burned by Christians, you just want someone to pray for you. There are gonna be some men and women that respond, man, we'd love to just talk and pray with you. For some, he's inviting you to come to know and be his follower. For some, he's inviting you to, to start spending time with him in solitude. Maybe it means this week, getting up 30 minutes earlier. And David's put some great resources up on the blog. If you're looking for some ways to connect with God this week, if you're looking to start creating some solitude space in your life to be with God, go on the blog, read about it. For some, he's inviting you to trust him, even when it doesn't make sense. And so maybe you've been coming to him with the same need about your parents or your friend or Lila and what he's asking us to do. The situations don't seem to be changing. He's inviting us to trust him, even when it doesn't make sense. For some of us, he's inviting us to, to walk with him on the sidewalks of life. To learn to enjoy him all throughout the day, to walk with him, to be obedient. 
And for some, he's inviting us to invite people to come and see him. To get past our fears, to get past our apathy, to get past our laziness, selfishness, whatever it is. And to invite people into this place to encounter him. Jesus has come to make life better. For us in here and for the people out there. May we not stop what it is that he desires to do in us. Let's pray.